What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What's up, team, and welcome back to The Kaisa Show. This is part two of our recovery conversation with Luca. Luca, how are you doing? Welcome What's back. What's up? I'm recovered. You are recovered. Mike, <laughs> oh, how yeah. are you doing? I'm doing great. Stimulated. <laughs> this is so good. So if you have not listened to part one, I would highly, highly suggest going back, listening to that. Luca really gave us an idea of all the big buckets, or he called them the big rocks, of what it takes to help recover our body. And today we're gonna kind of dive into more of the details between each of, or inside Mm -hmm. of each of those buckets, which I'm really excited about. Yes, me too. How are you feeling? You have a lot of questions. Recovery is like, you always have a lot of questions around this. Yeah, I do. I mean, (laughs) they're all selfish too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like things that I've been, that I've been uh, pondering myself. So now I get to ask this guy. Do you, do you want to kick it off with your first most burning question? Sure, let's do it. I mean, I think this is a hot topic out there right now. Cold therapy. Mm. You know, do you do cry? I recently tried some cryo. You got the ice baths. You see it everywhere. You see Wim Hof. You see, you know, like everyone's doing that. What are your thoughts on Ice bath. Let's just let's just go into go ice bath. Yeah, ice bath versus cryo, and and I think cold therapy in general. Uh, yes. Okay. So, number one, I think it's beneficial. Okay, but let, let's even just understand what happens when we do something like ice bath, right? Like, it, when you jump into ice, what is that? It's stressful, right? I mean, it it's fight or flight. You're not jumping into you know 34, 35 degrees and you're like. Mm-hmm. relaxing right like so it basically creates this fight or flight response but then your body afterwards is going to go into a rest and digest right it's going to kick it into recovery right and that's the goal now here's where it also is something that's important when we train okay because you've seen this a lot you've seen it a lot where um you see it a lot on tv with pro athletes right like they do a hard training session and then they jump into the ice bath. Uh, that's actually, you know, uh, again, a bunch of research from Dr. Andy Galpin. You guys can look it up on, on YouTube there too. But it's, you know, inflammation is not a bad thing. When we train, we create inflammation so that our body can then recover from that and then adapt and build and become more resilient and stronger and so forth, right? So if I do a, a, a really hard training session and then go straight into an ice bath, that's kind of counterproductive, right? Because it's going to reduce that inflammation. We kind of want that. Hmm. Oh, right? wait. I'm sorry. Hold on. We have to like go over that and underline that again, especially like in college. We did crazy hard workouts and we were right mm-hmm. into the ice bath. Can you there? Repeat? Okay, so there, is there a time where it makes sense? Uh, like if I'm doing two-a-days, right? And I don't want to have too much. Again, we're going we're gonna to go uh, kind of general population versus versus somebody that – it's trying to uh, mitigate all that inflammation for a second training session. So there is a place for it, okay? Uh, in certain, like I said, in circumstances where 
you got a lot of high intensity stuff, maybe twice a day, uh, you know, OTAs, preseason. Yeah, but that's not the most of us. No, so. no, but it's, it's not. And even like I said, even for athletes, I think it's counterproductive in, in a lot of uh, times. So, but when would you fit it in, right? So like, let's say I do a hard training session. Then the next day, if I went and did, for instance, uh, contrast therapy, which I, I love it, I, you know, Banya, so Russian bathhouse here in Seattle, uh, you know, I do a little, like I go into a really hot sauna, then I jump into a cold plunge, then I go, you know, read a chapter of a book and drink tea, and then I repeat that three or four times. And I mean, I, I'll sleep like a baby, right? It helps, it helps uh, with recovery, 100%. Why? What is contrast therapy doing? Well, I mean, basically, it, it does a number of things, right? Like where it's really shuttling, uh, it, it's getting blood flow up, it's opening up the pores, and again, it's kind of moving you from that uh, parasympathetic to sympathetic system, right? So, from fight or flight to rest, uh, rest and digest. In, but then what it what it usually is going to do is going to counter, right? So your your body's going to, if you put stress on it, it's going to move you into a recovery mode. But like anything else, so like contrast therapy, just like cold therapy, right? It does that. But you can't. But again, you, if you do too much of it, then it's too stressful. Does that make sense? So like example, like if I go into you know an infrared sauna for thirty minutes, great. That's gonna be that's gonna be uh, helpful, and it's proven. Like doing an infrared sauna three times a week for thirty minutes is great for health, right? But if I go to infrared sauna for an hour and a half. That might be so stressful that now I'm, I'm creating another form of stress that's not helping me recover. So everything has, you know, uh, it's like they said, the, the, the poison's in the dose, right? It's the same thing with recovery. And the other thing about recovery that we got to understand is that if I do it too much and too often, your body adapts to it and then it doesn't become useful anymore. Not as useful, right? So imagine that if you're like, oh yeah, I go and do a deprivation tank three, four days a week, or I go and do... Uh, cold therapy like every day well guess what like your body's going to adapt to that faster and it's just not going to have as much of a recovery effect right so just just like training you know we adapt to training everybody understands that but we adapt to recovery too that's a so that's an interesting point mm-hmm. so do you have let's just say for someone like me like or mike general mm-hmm. pop do you have would you have an ideal let's say we had unlimited funds and we could go to an ice bath when we wanted and do the sauna when we wanted mm-hmm. would you say hey i want you to do that two times a week i think it again it becomes it does really become individual like for, for you for instance i would try find things that are helpful but also like there's stuff that you do that at the end you're like, wow, that really relaxed me, right? And there's things that some people do that don't relax them as much. And I'll take uh, deprivation tanks, for example, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I know people that the first time they went, they're like, I had a, like, I, I mean, I got claustrophobic, right? So claustrophobic is not restful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Let's just get that right. Now, sometimes it, it, it takes a little bit to adapt. And then maybe after that, you love it, right? But Again, the goal is for you to do something that can bring you chill. Like, if, you know, if you did a cold plunge and afterwards you're like, man, it was challenging during, but afterwards I was so relaxed, I slept like a baby. I'd be like, did you like that? I'm like, yeah, great. Let's do that once a week, okay? And then let's go, for instance, it might be, hey, you're tight this, that, or the other. Maybe it's hot yoga, right? And we'll probably touch on the whole, like, yoga, mobility, stretching, oh, the will. whole sh- oh, shebang, <laughs> for sure. But it's like, that's why it's individual, right? Um, you know, breathing and meditation, which I think is very helpful for anybody, right? And 
but some people have a harder time implementing it. So if you got a really hard time implementing it, then maybe right now, you know, going for a, a 20, 30 minute walk in nature is, is really good. Cause it is like, it's what is walking in nature? Well, it's mindfulness, right? You're, you're focused on the present. You're not thinking about anything else. Uh, you're getting some like cardio in that, you know, zone two probably. Okay, great. Let's, so let's get you walking in the, in the woods for 30 minutes once a week, and let's get you in a cold plunge once a week. So speaking, yeah. I was going to say, ahead. speaking of walking in the woods, we're on a bird walk. I want to bring it back to, to cold. cold. So yeah. I heard like through, what well, was it, Andrew Huberman? He did like a bunch of research. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. To what I've seen is 12 minutes a week as a general rule for cold is like that's, yep, that's what they good, say. So, for example, um, th- this is another good – if you do, for instance, contrast therapy, it's like a three-to-one. Uh, three to four to one, meaning so if I'm in a, in a, and this is literally what I would do at Banya, right? I'd go in a hot sauna for 12 minutes, then I'd do like two to three minutes of a cold plunge pool. So total 12 minutes mm-hmm. throughout the week. Now you can microdose that and mm-hmm. go, hey, I'm going to be jumping a cold plunge for a minute and I'm going to do that five days a week. Right, or I'm going to do four times three minutes or whatever else. It yeah, may be. it sounded like everything that he was pulling was like it doesn't matter if you do all in one or space it out. There's, it's still so new. But what do you think about like cryotherapy? Like, ver- do you know much about that? I spent. Well, I I bought a portable cryo chamber. Uh, oh. I think it's a, like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, at which, your house. Which, if anybody wants like to buy, hit me, hit me up. No, we had it. We, we still have it at Vigor. Ooh. How uh, much is that? Wow, we need that in the studio. Well, listen, I'll give you the give greatest deal. deal. I'll give you the greatest deal of all. Time, I don't think it's the chamber that's the it's the nitrogen that you have to constantly fill, right? Yeah, that's, that's it's the nitrogen. It's yeah. it, well, this the thing is that we got it because, uh, and I realize it's a lot of work, staffing and everything to mm-hmm. to keep it rolling. So, okay. um, but I, I I think the cryo chamber was overhyped for sure. Not to say again that it's not effective, but I'm just like the you know you're in it for three minutes. Um, I actually think the cold plunge. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going up to negative 300, for instance, in a crowd chamber, right? And I actually feel that, like, if you go into, like, a 33, 34-degree pool, I feel colder because of the yeah. sensation on the skin. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, research on that. Um, but, again, like, I, fi- you know, find what works for you. I, I, I think – I don't think cryo chambers are bad. I just think they're, they were definitely kind of, like, overplayed. More, more um, pebbles. But here, here's the thing that I do want to bring out about, like, cold therapy, um, that is, is maybe a little bit kind of uh, to the side of just recovery of the body. What is, because what's cold therapy I feel like good for, okay? And this is what a lot of folks are doing it for now, is you're doing something uh, challenging, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like this is, is a book that came out, like do hard things, right? And what you're doing is you're building resilience. Not just, not just physical resilience, but like mental resilience, mm-hmm. right? Like you end up, you choose, you know, whether it's every morning or whether it's multiple times a week to go, I'm going to like, I don't want to go into this tub, but I'm going to go into this tub and I'm going to sit here maybe at the beginning for 10, 20 seconds. Cause that's all I can do. And then more. And I'm, it's mental resilience, right? Like you're building yourself up to be able to do challenging things. And I think, you know, in today's world, I, I think that's missing a lot. And I think that that's very, very, very good to do apart from the actual what happens physiologically and how it kicks you into recovery state. I think there's a mental aspect to it, you know, and it can lower stress, Mm -hmm. right? Because what are we doing? Well, we're becoming more resilient to stress. And and, um, again, a a really, really, really cool study that will connect, I promise will connect to this, 
is, you know, when they were doing uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, the military invested a ton of research and, and time and money into HRV. And they, they found that there was a difference between the average and the elite soldier, right? And what the difference was, they saw it in HRV. And what they found is that after a stressful situation, so we're talking about, you know, they're putting them through physical demands and like very precision shooting and, you know, doing uh, scenarios of like they're in war, the elite soldiers would have in the next 24 hours way higher HRV. So, but just to explain what that means, it means that after a very, very stressful situation, they were able to get into recovery state fast, okay? That is a trainable skill, by the way, okay? It's a trainable skill. Now, how does that transfer? You're like, well, I'm not in the military. That transfers to you too because the, the average soldier, it took them way longer to get into that recovery state. So before, so their cognitive tests weren't as good when they do the cognitive tests, like their precision shooting wasn't good. They couldn't handle stressful situation. So what is life? You know, you, you got a, a crazy amount of work at, uh, at, uh, at the, that week at work. You know, you got a big deal coming up. You got kids, they got all these activities. That's stress, right? So the better that we can manage stress, the better we can operate in stressful situations. We don't go into fight or flight and lose our minds or shut down or, uh, you know, we can't think in our, you know, prefrontal cortex because we're just too stressed out. So things like, you know, the cold plunge can be a tool, one of the many, many, many tools that we use to be able to become more resilient, right? And to be able to handle that and to be able to get ourselves in a recovery state faster. But there must be a happy medium here because we don't want to just be resilient to stress and then not look at stress reduction, right? It's like one thing to be resilient to stress and be able to handle that because life is going to bring you stress. But then also there's like all of these things that we need to do to look at reducing stress. For sure. No, I, I, I think that, look, it, it is. It's a, it's a checks and balances thing, right? How much stress we want to we want to create stress to adapt to, right? But we want to create recovery environments so that we can recover faster from that stress and that's why it's like very very it is very individual right it's very individual now i will say this in today's age most people do not think about recovery like they think about training right they think about i'm going to train like this maybe or organize their training but they don't organize their recovery which which is when you zoom out it's kind of like well that's kind of crazy so I'm really just focusing on one part of the variable and not the other one. I'm focusing about how hard I'm going to go in, in, in cardio, in my strength training, in my power training. But then I'm not looking at like how hard I'm going to go in my sleep, in my mobility routine, my aerobic engine work, in my stress reduction, uh, you know, actual strategies to deal with mental stress, which again, you know, when we go to things like breathing and we go into like mindfulness and, you know, mindfulness apps and things like that to have their place. That's the kind of other side of the, you know, it's the yin and yang, right? Like most people will just focus on the yin and not on the yang. So uh, even just that, I think, analogy for most folks is to go like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how much, you know, if you're a person that's into fitness and wants to get in shape um, and has this goal, physical goal that they want to change. And it's like, how much on a scale of one to 10, how much are you focusing on that? How much effort are you putting into it? Okay, great. Now look at how much focus and effort you're putting into the other side, which is the recovery. Like, do you even think about it? Most people do not. And again, I say this because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a geeky person, so I do all, I all, do all the research uh, and, and talk to the people that are best in the world at research. But then I'm actually working with people every single day, hundreds and hundreds of people every single week at our gym 
and I see it in real life, right? Nobody comes in and goes, well, here's what I'm doing for my fitness and training and here's what I'm doing my, for my recovery. Nobody brings that up, right? And would you ideally it, want it to be a 50-50? Uh, it depends. I think that, you know, I think that just starting to get people to become aware of it is, is a win, right? I think that if, if, if we can get them on a three out of 10, if they've been at a zero, that's a win. True. Because awareness precedes change. And if you can get somebody to do something, where they go like, wow, this is the best I slept in, you know, since I can remember because I went and did some contrast therapy or wow, like I feel more like I did this rebound workout and I actually feel more energized and better after this workout leaving the gym, right? That's awareness. It's like, yeah, like you're kicking your body into recovery. And when you, what's, what's crazy is like, if you have uh, like, for instance, a Morpheus training, which is the, the HRV app from, from my friend, Joe, it'll actually, after a re rebound workout, your recovery score goes up. Right. So basically it's, it's showing like, yeah, your body's more recovered now after you did the workout. Right. Where if you, if you do a development workout or even a stimulate workout, your recovery score will go down because your stress is right. And he, this is so factual because I, I know after our Saturday became our rebound workouts and I mentally obviously had to go through the fact that I didn't want to do that. But afterwards, throughout the rest of my day and then on Sunday, I'd be like, whoa. I feel like a so million bucks yeah. and that made me more apt to come back Absolutely. and continue. And, and I think what I think what's important what you're saying is that we're change we got to change what recovery means because I think in Amen. the past recovery means sitting on the couch yes, yes. and like eating a bunch of food to refuel because your body needs a complete break. But what's really coming through is that like, it's actually more, it's active. You move to kind of create stress, break down a bit, and then you move to rebuild and de-stress a bit. And that those two work in conjunction to optimize training. Absolutely. Because Amen. in the first show, I mentioned those five things, right? What was number five it was regenerate. Regenerate is an active thing. Right. It's not like I'm sore, I'm tired, lay on the couch, don't do anything that that's actually not going to help you. I mean, are you going to recover? Sure. But are you doing as much as you can to help yourself recover? No, you're not. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not. So I want to switch topics now. Um, speaking about active recovery, can we talk about joint health and then kind of the right now for me, it's a lot about mobility. But then your your um, take on mobility versus yoga. OK. Um, or mobility versus stretching. I mean, number one, I think it's important to even go um, and do a 10,000 foot view and say, okay, joint health, okay? You have active and passive constraints, right? Active is, is your muscles, it's uh, your tendons, and then passive is like menisci bone joints, right? So if you do not have muscle that supports the joints, your joints are going to get worn out. So, which means this is why strength training is so important. This is why having muscle is so important. So let me start there because why, you know, as you get older and people are like, oh, I'm having, uh, you know, joint issues, so I shouldn't train. It's like, no, you're having joint issues. You should train because your active constraints, your muscles are getting weaker and weaker and smaller. So the joints have to take more load. So that that's a really important factor. Say that right? again, actually. Yeah. Because you've so said good. that before. Yeah. And I remember that was a light bulb moment. Yeah. It's, it's basically, again, if, if you lose, so if you atrophy and you lose muscle, right? And your tendon strength goes down. Now the joints have to do more work, mm. right? And so the joints get worn out. And it's, it's like, you got to flip it upside on the head because people will go like, well, yeah, like I'm having issues. And so I'm going to, I'm not going to move or, or, or train. Cause that's the problem. And it's like, no, no, the problem is that you're not doing it. You just got to do it in a smart way, right? You just have to do it in a way that's 
you know, good movement patterns, uh, the right exercises for the right people, for, for the person. Uh, but man, that, that, this is how you increase the quality of your life for a very long period of time. Like, we, mm-hmm. you know, you continue to build strength, keep muscle, and aerobic engine that we were talking about. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to help you so much. And then, you know, we get to, well, listen, if I look at our lives, right? Like, I mean, we're sitting a lot. We're hunched over a lot on our phones, on our computers. So we got to move, right? And, and number one is even for, you know, I've had a lot of low back issues. Every expert will tell you what's the, what's the, best, posi- you know, what's the best position for the joints. Well, it's to always be moving, right? The more that you're moving, the better off. And we also got to look at form, right? If I give you a weight and you have crappy form, and the joint's not in a good position. Now I'm just loading dysfunction. Okay, so it it starts there to understand there's hierarchy, right? Then what is mobility? Well, it, it I feel like every joint should be able to work well in isolation. Now we do a lot of this stuff, you know, where it's just like, all right, I'm gonna let's just just work the hip joint. You're gonna be on the floor. I'm gonna have you move it through all these ranges of motion. And if you slow it down, most people are like, holy crap, this is so hard, right? Why is this so hard? It's like, well, you don't have good joint. Like your joint it doesn't have good control, right? Because you haven't trained it. Simple. But now imagine if that's really hard to do by itself. And now I give you a weight and I'm like, all right, go lift, go do a squat. Well, that joint's like not functioning properly. Now we're adding a bunch mm-hmm. of load to it. This is the reason why, you know, doing mobility training is really, really important and making sure that each joint functions well. And what's cool is that, like, I don't, you could be 60 years old and we can improve your joint health, right? And to, to kind of go into what is the difference between mobility and, like, static stretching, right? Well, mobility allows me to control, like, with strength that joint through a range of motion. Where static stretching is so, you know, imagine if Kaisa lands on the ground and I'm like, all right, relax. I'm going to push your hamstring, you know, as far as I can until it can't go anymore, right? That's a passive stretch, okay? Then I'm going to let go and say, okay, now you lift your leg up as high as you can and see how far you can get. And most of the time, there's going to be a pretty big gap between where I can take it to and where you can take it to actively. Okay, one is mobility and one is flexibility, essentially, right? And the one that really matters the most, not to say flexibility doesn't matter because before you have mobility, you have to have flexibility. But the one that's going to prevent you from, you know, getting injured, uh, the one that's going to have your joints feel the best is the mobility part of it, right? We have to be able to be strong in, our, in these positions or we're going to get hurt, right? Just if I can passively take you somewhere, that doesn't mean that you can control it. So if you're running and sprinting and you stop and you're in this wacky position and you don't have the strength to control that joint, you're going to get hurt, Right. And so that's the, the really, really simple breakdown between those two. And so, again, I feel like, you know, uh, there's always this arguing of, you know, what's good, what's bad. Like, I think yoga is great for some people, right? Uh, but not for everybody. And there, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, yoga can be passive, if that makes sense. Um, now, somebody that's really wound up and tight, that's going to really help them, okay? Somebody that's really loose, that could hurt them, okay? And uh, there's actually, you guys probably know some folks. I don't know, Mike, you might be. It, it, so there's something called, this is, a, this is a geek term for it. It's called congenital laxity. It just means hypermobility. So if you've ever seen mm. somebody like 
will lock out their elbow and they're so like mobile that their elbow kind of points the other way or they're when they lock out their knees they almost have like an inverted right or you know they can palm the floor with almost with their elbow okay so there's this athens blano's test that tells you if you're hypermobile or not my point being is actually there's uh, i think it's like 30 percent plus of women um have hypermobility uh specific demographics have are more hypermobile well if you like that this person's too flexible right and you go hey go go to yoga <laughs> like that's not that's gonna beat their joints up right so that's why that's important that person needs to do mobility and strength training okay that's what's really really going to help them um and this is why it's again notice how i bring things back to like individual like individuality like you have to assess what you're struggling with and and, and what is your restriction and your obstacle to get to kind of to, to improve Right. So would there ever be, like, I don't really stretch. I do mobility, obviously, 24-7. I love that. Is there a need for stretching if I'm doing mobility all the time? Yeah, I actually think the stretching has a very, for instance, I, I like light stretching as a cool-down method in training sessions, right? Because l let's look at, and, and you understand because we do mobility training, right? And we said mobility training is strength training. Right. If you do it. So so think pails and rails. And, and for you guys that are listening um, again, you know, the best way to have a visual like what's go to, pails and rails. It's it's a method. So there's there's a um, FRC Sounds like a drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a ping pong ball. Let's throw it in a cup. Uh, no, it's just progressive uh, and regressive like load in a stretch position. But think about strength training. Right. It, it's producing force. So you guys might have seen videos with me and Kaisa sometimes where she's like in a, in a pigeon, right? For instance, pigeon stretch. And then I'm coaching her and put, saying like, hey, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you ramp up and like I'm going to have you push your leg into the ground as hard as mm. you possibly can and then hold it for 10 seconds. It's very hard, right? Like she's in this like maximum stretch position and then I'm having her create force like she's moving a weight, but she can't because there's, it's an immovable object. Right, but what we end up doing is we're in this stretched and range position, and now we're creating force. So she's now going to be able to like build tissue and have neural control. That's what trains mobility. And there's all these methods, right? There's end range liftoffs and uh, cars. You know, like there's a method called FRC, uh, functional range conditioning from functional range systems. It just it's a, it's a, it's a really good uh, system for creating mobility. Let's just put it that way. Um, but if we do that, like, and I, like, if we have a 45 minute session where I'm having her do that throughout the session, she'll be more tired than lifting a super heavy deadlift. Oh, right? it's wild. Right? It's very, it's like, honestly, it's like a, a very, very challenging mobility session will smoke you. So I want to help people understand that, like, uh, I gave Akaisa this uh, example that if we work at about 30% of intensity through these mobility kind of uh, exercises, it's almost like movement, right? Three out of 10 intensity is not a lot, right? It's just quality movement. We're going to create some tension, but not a ton, okay? If I'm warming up, I'm going to do a 50%, so five out of 10 intensity. So let's say we're doing a strength session. We're going to do some mobility drills before. It'll be a five out of 10. But I could have a whole session just to develop mobility, and we're going to work in that nine, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 10. Mm. That's so hard, you know, and that is strength training. Now, when you look at it, right, in a video, you're like, well, Kaisa doesn't have a weight. She's not doing 
a deadlift. She's not doing a lunge. She's in this, you know, really weird end range position. And I'm like having her do multiple sets of 10 seconds of, you know, pushing into the ground and pushing away from the ground. That's strength training, right? And I think it has a, a very, very important place to help people have joint health and longevity. Uh, because I think sometimes it's, it's um, you know, you'll see stuff that's like, oh, that's mobility. And it's, and it's just movement at lower intensities, which is not bad. It's, it's, it's good. It's fine. But I think this whole understanding of, you know, if, if we make the joints function well in isolation and then we make sure that we like our, our um, exercises that we do, our squats, our deadlifts, our lunges, you know, they have good form. Right. We're going to build really, really resilient joints. Right. Because all in all the muscles and the tendons and everything around it are going to support those joints so they don't get beat up as much. So I, I hope that that was a decent enough explanation of it. But I think that what you should look at if you're listening to this is, hey, how much of that are you actually doing again? Right. Like, do you have, you know, is your shoulder feeling tweaky? Is your neck feeling tweaky? Do you have low back tightness and pain? Are your hips wacky? You know, do you have knee pain? Okay, on a, on a weekly basis, are you doing thorough warm-ups with having some mobility activation drills? Do you even just focus on actually doing mobility training? Uh, because I can do some pretty wacky things <laughs> you've seen me do, like in mobility, and people are like, wow, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I practice it, right? Like I, I actually take the time to work on my mobility, right? It's, it's because most people just throw it in there like, ah, let's do a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, so let's bring it back because you just mentioned warm-ups and cool-downs. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about, I kind of, I guess, switching gears, but I use mobility a lot for my warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about, because part of recovery is also like how you cool down after a workout, but also I want to talk about how you warm up. Can we talk about what your thought processes are for both on, of those? On a warm-up? Yeah, Warm-up sure. and cool-down, yeah. For sure. So on a warm-up, you kind of, okay, uh, let's start here. Person comes in. I'm going to give you an example, right? Oh, person. Kaisa comes in, right? Hey. What's, what's going on with Kaisa? She obviously, I look at her face. She's pretending like she's not stressed out, but she's mm-hmm. super stressed out. So one of the things that we will do with, with, with clients, if they're very high strung and stressed out, first, do like five minutes, four or five minutes of breathing drills. Why? Well, because if somebody's stressed out, we talked about this in show, the first episode, they're in fight or flight, right? If we do breathing drills and we can like bring that fight or flight down, it's not that we're bringing them into like this rest and digest parasympathetic. We're just leveling them out, right? You're like, you're, you're at a 10 right now. Let's bring you down to a five. That would be actually step one, right? Bring them down. Then our warm-ups are going to be like this. It's, they're going to be progressive. Single joint to multi-joint, right? Uh, ground-based to standing-based. Slow to fast and then simple to complex, Okay, so what, what I mean by that is if you're coming in and you're just like, all right, uh, go straight to, you know, some crazy like mobility movement drills, this, that, the other. Well, we're not progressing the warm up. What we want to do is we want to get the body ready. The warm up. Remember, what's the goal of the warm up? Get the body prepared to do the best it can in a training session. Right. So we're going to go with start with simple stuff. So if she's been sitting in a car, it might be. Okay, let's do hip circles in the all fours position first, right? Ground-based, single joint. Let's do some ankle circles. Okay, great. So we did a couple of those. Let's do, oh, we're going to do full body today. Let's do some uh, windmills on the ground, right, for the upper back. And then from there, it's like, okay, we did that. Those were simple. Those were single joint. 
Now let's get in Spider-Man lunge position, right? So we're kind of progressing that. And then from there, you know, we're going to go to squat to stand. Now we're standing. We're going to go to side lunges. Uh, now we're going to go to high knees and skips. So we're going to finish with something that gets the nervous system riled up. We might do some jumps. We might do some throws, right? So notice how we, we, we started with breathing, kind of leveled them out. Then we went through simple single joint exercises. Then we kind of progressed it to more multi-joint standing, slower to faster, Boom, now you're ready for a training session. Now, we'll, st we'll still do, like, let's say she, her first exercise is a deadlift. We're still going to ramp up the deadlift. She's not going to go straight to a super heavy set. She might do three, four, maybe even five sets, you know, just lighter building up with great form. Mm -hmm. And then she's going to go to working set, right? So that's, it, that's the, the goal. Yeah, this is interesting for me because I am somebody who, especially coming from a lot of injuries, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to warm up for, like, 15, 20 minutes, I'm not prepared. And training with Luca now for the past like year, I, he definitely warms up differently and it works. Mm. And so for people, especially like I am more on the sense of doing things that are very strategic in my warm ups. And just to repeat for everyone, so it's like breath work, bring you back down, especially if you're someone like me and you come in stress, breath work just to ground yourself, then single joint. And a lot of times we're on the ground doing that single joint through mobility. Then it goes into multiple joint. We can get up and do like multi-planner movement. Then we go into getting the nervous system prepped, yeah. which ends up Which being is usually going to be like movement that's why you, that the end we'll do things like high knees skips cariocas right and and then progress the intensity of those too so if you you know you started for high knees at 50 percent skips at 50 percent we go through that and then it's like all right now go at 80 okay great now we're gonna have you do some jumps and sprints and it, they might be like jumps and sprints are part of warm-up to mm -hmm. me too right like even if they're not in the program it's like hey do two sets of six really super high jumps okay do uh, some 10-yard accelerations, right? You're priming your nervous system, right? Because we do want to, like, if you're training, we want to be in fight or flight, right? But here's, here's, you know, when I said at the beginning, you came in in fight or flight, somebody's going to go like, hold on. She came in in fight or flight. Why wouldn't we, like, why would, are we going to bring that down? Well, because if you're in fight or flight, and then we kind of load on top of that, see how it's going to just juice your nervous system out? By the time we actually start training, you might already be fatigued, Makes sense? Yeah. So you, we have to be able to, there's the nervous system and there's the muscular system. And it's, for, for most people, they'll understand the difference is like this. If I do, you know, 12 to 15 reps, super slow tempo, my muscle's burning, right? And you're like, wow, like, that, I'm, like my muscle is tired. And, but your body's not going to be like super fatigued. Now, you ever done, you know, three, four sets of like a heavy two rep deadlift? Like you have, right? Oh, yeah. And then you, and you're like afterwards, it's not like your muscles are sore, but you just feel like a wet mop. Like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. Like uh, stuff that like things that are very, very challenging on a nervous system are heavy lifting. Like we're talking about that one to five rep range, right? That's hard, on, really hard on the nervous system. Very fast. So if you go do a full-blown sprint, that's going to be like, you know, nervous system based, okay? Then... If we always train to failure, so every set, every rep you take, it, I can barely get it out. That's going to exhaust your nervous system. And a, a, another thing that exhausts your nervous system is conditioning all out. Okay, so that's the the conditioning session. With then you're like, I'm dead, right? And honestly, a lot of folks train only that way. That's mm -hmm. all they know. It's like I'm going to push myself so hard, I can barely do anything. That crushes the nervous system. And so when you're crushing the nervous system. 
Remember, the muscular system recovers a lot faster than the nervous system, right? So you could train your muscles more often to recover faster, but your nervous system does not. So if you have Monday, I'm crushing my legs. I'm doing heavy. I'm going to failure. I'm like crushing myself. And then Tuesday you come in and you go like Tuesday's conditioning, but I'm going to destroy myself, right? I'm going to go all out. Great. Wednesday now is another upper, you know, full body day. I'm going hard. Like you are zapping yourself. And remember in, in episode one, we said that the, uh, the, the three different phases, like stimulate, develop, right? Rebound. Well, all you're doing is like develop, 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 develop uh. and you can't recover from that, right? You can't. And this is where you start going like, why are my numbers going down? Oh, I'm starting to get achy mm-hmm. joints, like inflammation. My knees start. That, those are the signs of why that's happening. And the, and the crazy thing about it is you're actually not going to progress. You're, like you're not getting the best results. You're putting in a lot of effort, but you're not getting the results from the effort that you're putting in. Yeah. Amen. And if you're someone like me who is like, I'm just stressed. So I want to go in and crush myself 24 seven. You got to look at other ways of like crushing yourself. that are not in the gym. You're not, don't end up like me. Don't listen, not listening to my coach. And then, you know, months later now I'm injured, which we would have known was going to happen. And if I had listened, we wouldn't be here. So we gotta, we gotta do a quick fire. Cause I have to kick you guys out of here. Oh to- no. Okay. Okay. Wait <laughs> on this. Can we talk about cool down? That's what I was going to say. And okay. if we yes. could break it down, at least start with this so we can get this, but like what is cooling down for strength versus conditioning? Like how does that, does, is, is it different? Not so much. I mean, look, it, you basically, as soon as the session is over, you want to try to get your body into recovery mode, right? And we, you know how we talked about that? Like you can practice the skill of getting into recovery state. We're talking about the military, right? It's a, it's a skill that can be developed. So big mistake, uh, I'll give you an example. You get done with a strength training session. It was a tough training session. You're done. You're like, oh, got to get home to the kids. You don't do anything. You jump in a car in, into what I call them, you know, the metal bucket. Get on right? the phone. You're flexed. You're on the phone. You know, you're getting texts like, come on, cook dinner, right? And then you're driving. There's traffic. Again, why zebras don't have ulcers. You're stressed out, right? So you went from stress to stress. You are not entering the recovery state, right? Even as little as like, I'm done with the training session. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to, for instance, do some light stretches. N- nothing aggressive, again, because if I aggressively stretch you, it's, again, it's, it's stress, right? Light stretches, breathing drill, light foam rolling. Nothing should like be like, ah, this is hurting me, right? Like at, at the beginning of the session, you can go a little bit more aggressive on soft tissue work. Not crazy aggressive, but get better positions of joints. At the end, it's more like, just get the blood flowing, okay? So breathing drills, light stretching, get the blood flowing, light cardio. I mean, I'm talking about you're on the bike. You'll see a lot of that at Vigor where people are just riding a bike super slow, talking to somebody else. They're just bringing their system down. Or, you know, if, if it's lower body sessions, I really like decompression. So, um, you know, lay on the ground, put your feet up in the air against the wall, breathe, right? Decompress your spine, um, those are all excellent. Even like light movement. Like, so think about mobility drills, but like really light, just therapeutic almost, right? You want the heart rate to come down. You want your stress to come down. And now you did that for, for five, six minutes. Now I'm starting to get into recovery state. Now I go home. I even like walking. You know, mm-hmm. I'll tell people like, hey, go for a five-minute walk before you go home, right? So five, ten minutes is, is sufficient to start even, going Even down. five. Like yeah, even, that's great. Even five is better than, than nothing because, again, we just have to understand this whole thing, like, I, as soon as I get done training, I want my body to get into recovery state as fast as possible. 
right? And this is also where, you know, things like the huge benefits, like I'll give you guys just one example, but it's box breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, box breathing is just, um, and you can do it for different periods of time. You know, I think four to five seconds. So I'm going to exhale through my mouth, uh, preferably open mouth. I know these are kind of like weird strategies, but because I want to just um, get the air out without really stressing my essentially neck muscles, right? Then I'm going to hold for four or five seconds, take in air through the nose for four or five seconds, hold for four or five seconds. That's why it's box, right? Four, 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 four. Mm-hmm. With my legs up on a couch, laying on the ground, exhale fully, pause, inhale fully. And you do that for like five, six minutes. And again, you'll get better at breathing, mm-hmm. but it's going to calm you down, right? And then that's help, that helps you sleep better too, by the way. You know? And then if you like stuff like uh, Headspace or Calm, those are all good apps that can help you with that, give you like a focus and whatnot. Uh, but all those things are, are excellent. Like, how can you get into a recovery state as fast as you possibly can after training? That's really helpful. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's really motivating as to why you'd want to spend an extra five plus mm-hmm. minutes after your workout to just take the time to get into recovery state. Like, Absolutely. I really, I actually really It's a very that. high return on investment. And it makes yeah. me feel better because I actually don't do a good job at recovering at home because it's always like, oh, I got to get back to doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was kind of scared you were going to say it's like 20 minutes of like a pretty prescriptive thing. But it's like I could sit there and breathe and just move and just calm myself down for five to 10 minutes. Yeah, and, 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 and that's going to make a difference. This is the other thing too that's important, right? If I, for instance, when I started meditating, right? And, and that was the prescription for me. And somebody's like, okay, you're going to meditate every day for 20 minutes. I mean, I'm like the most high strung person, like, right? 20 mm. minutes is like forever. It's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's eternity, right? Mm-hmm. So I started doing three and four mm-hmm. because it was so little. I was like, of course I can do that, right? And then you'd start doing it. And like, even after three, four minutes, I'd feel so, you know, I'm like, oh, this is calming. I feel like I'll do two more, right? And I'd do six. And, I, and then you start, you actually like the way that you're feeling mm-hmm. from it. So like, yeah, I'll push it to eight. And then I did get to like 20 minutes. I went like two years, like 20 minutes every day, sometimes twice a day, 15, 20 minutes of, of meditation. And I mean, look, it'll sound corny, but the amount that it, it allowed me to um, be able to manage stress is insane. I called it the reset button. So I'd always do it for lunch, right? It's almost like early morning till lunch was like one day for me. And of course, I do a million things. So I'm like stressed out. I do, sometimes I'd go to my car, put the Calm app on do four or five minutes, you know, then go 10. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I pressed the reset button. Day two begins now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think it's very valuable. Now, how you do it, what you name it, you know, um, I've done three day meditation with the monks. I've done like, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff and for, for many that might be like, Oh, that's too much for me. Great. Start with three minutes. Yeah. Right. Just do breathing stuff. Yeah. And or just start with five minutes recovery after your workouts. There you go. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just start. That's yeah. really where we're at. Something. Um, this has been so helpful and honestly, eye-opening to me. There's a lot of takeaways I feel like from this discussion of just even if they're tiny pebbles for me to make adjustments, they all add up to to making me and making us feel better in our body. And I appreciate all of these little tidbits that I get to put together. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. Actually, I feel like the next episode, you and I can chat and catch up about what we're doing differently. What yeah. is Kai about recovery? Committing? What is Mike committing to? <laughs> yeah. Right I mean, now, look, it's, it's cooling down. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start cooling down. It's, and here's the thing is like, I, you know, if we finish on a note, it's like this. Because I... I want people to, t- to get uh, not only information from this, but like awareness and then take action on it. So 
determine the next 30 days. Go like, as you're listening to this show, I'm sure that somebody's like, oh, I don't do that. Oh, and then give yourself like, okay, assessment of where you're at. What do you think are the things that, you know, you want to change and change and can change. They feel, what has the highest return on investment with the lowest amount of work, right? Great. Determine what you're going to do for 30 days. Look at the obstacles and then map it out, create an action plan. So it might be, you know, Mike, okay, look, after every training session, I'm going to do a minimum of a five-minute cool-down. Mm-hmm. Man, I do no aerobic work. I'm going to do one aerobic session a week for the next 30 days. Okay, great plan, right? Somebody else is going to say, my sleep is whack. Let me create a, create a sleep routine. And with the sleep routine, like my goal is to get an extra hour per night or 30 minutes per night. That's one thing. And two, I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day doing like a little mobility flow to get me less yeah. stress. Right. It's create a plan from what you heard and do it for 30 days and then send us feedback through whatever channel you want to send it to. But I hate like for, for me, it's like anytime I do anything like this, what I want to know is and, and hope for is that somebody goes and takes action on it. And when they take action on it, they get, a f- they get feedback and go, wow, like this is really beneficial. And then doing a year of this is going to change your life, right? That's, that's the most important thing to me is the action gets taken from anything that's shared. Because otherwise, you know, as, nothing happens and who cares? You got, yeah. you got more knowledge, but you actually didn't apply it to life yeah. and then life doesn't change, right? Yeah. So, and just do one thing. Let's just one be thing. honest. Commit because, to one thing. Yeah, and Mike and I, we talk about this all the time. Like we're trying to be healthy for life and it's figuring out the sustainable things that you can do. It's not mm-hmm. figuring out everything. Mm-hmm. So, and my takeaways are like that protein is really, yeah. that's very interesting to me. So totally. team, we have this two-part episode. Luca, this was so amazing and insightful and I feel like I grabbed a, a bunch of big rocks from this. So I yeah. appreciate you. Um, and we want to hear what the team thinks. That, like, that would be great. I knew That was probably your segment right there. That's that okay. No, you, you go. Yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. go. I'm just trying to... No, in. I was just going to say, we definitely want to hear from you. Thankfully, we, we have access to Luca. So mm-hmm. if you have questions... Um, about any of the conversation or any parts of the conversation we've had today, go to kaisafit.com slash ask. Leave your questions. Because and or leave us what you're going to commit to for the next yes. 30 days. Like, yes. are you going to make a change? What would that change yep. be? Put yes. it out there because when you put it out there, then it's more accountability. Real. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Mike's is adding that recovery on. Yeah, cool down. I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna take, I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to go that protein too because okay. I know I have. I'm, I'm going to do the protein too. Then. Okay, let's yeah. go. Luca, commitments have been made. Commitments yeah. have been made. Team, we want to hear from you. What are your commitments? Luca, thank you My pleasure. so much. This is great. Always. This has been so helpful. I, I know people are going to listen to this and have so many key takeaways. So thank you. My yeah. pleasure. Mike, like, Luca, did I just cut you off? Were you going to say something? I'm so no, sorry. No, that was, that was, you know, no, I was I didn't. It. I, I worked it. so hard not to that cut was you it. off today. Listen, I, you worked hard not to cut me off. <laughs> I work hard to try to wrap it up. Yeah, it's a really I, good I thing think going I th- on. Right yeah, now. I, I, yeah. We, I think we need to keep this going. I'm nervous yeah. for my seat, to be honest. I'm out here on the outskirts. He's working on himself. I need to commit to something. <laughs> so good. All right, Luca, thank you. Mike, thank you so much. Absolutely. And team, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you back on the Kaisa Show very soon. Toodle the roof. Peace.